I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're you're, you're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagada at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are dedicated human beings for Bengals fans because it is 11.34 p.m. Sunday Night Football wrapped up a tad bit early, which I'm not mad about because we had a game plan to record this podcast. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? Terrible. That was bad. <laughs> yeah, that was um, – it was really deflating. It, I don't even know if the Bengals were the better team today, but, man, it was when they scored – and there's just like the I feel like a six percent chance the Ravens win just because they have to get to like the forty-five, and then they got way further than that. But uh, I, there's nothing you can really do as the offense when you're in that situation because I don't believe in trying to run the clock down so they can't get an attempt because you can only run it down to like a, I don't know what a minute twenty and they have all three timeouts and they need like two first downs and then but I also like. Even if you do think that this offense needed to score because they didn't have the uh, they don't have the ability to waste time. They need to score because that's they struggle enough at doing that. The thing is, I think the overall the first reaction to the game and after Cincinnati, after the Bengals scored was all they have Justin Tucker. We know how this is going to end. They're going to take all the time off the clock. Everything happened just like that. I agree with you. I think they needed to score. I mean, they had 10 points prior. So at that point, I'm like, can they even get a field goal at this point? Are they going to be able to get a touchdown? I mean, credit to them to get that drive with Jamar Chase. But I think the biggest question mark and and the first reaction I see is, oh, you should have taken the points and got the field goal earlier in the game. And then you wouldn't be looking back. I I disagree. I I thought going for it was the right call. No, going for it is the right call. You here's the issue. That was a disaster of a series. It starts, there's a pick play was the first play. That's fine. Whatever. A pick play on the goal line, completely normal, and it didn't work out. Whatever. Move on. The second play, the Philly special was, what, 2016? And I'm so sick of people thinking this is a creative and innovative play call at this point. Everybody's done it. If I can see that motion and handoff and go, oh, shit, it's a Philly special, and then he tosses it back to Boyd. Yeah, blitz the corner because Boyd isn't a quarterback. He doesn't know what to do. He's going to take a sack. Like That was a ridiculous call in that situation. The Philly special is no longer this creative, awesome play that's going to get you a free touchdown. Everybody knows it. 
Once they know it, you can't run a gimmick play like that. Then they get a slant to chase. Okay, you're back in range. And now that's why I think it was fine. Because if they were more than like three yards out, I would say just kick the field goal. But they were two yards out. So you're in a run-pass situation. And Mixon's been running really well. But I completely understand passing. How do you call a shovel pass on fourth down when your quarterback is supposed to be one of the best creators out of structure and a great decision maker and all these i i think it's first i really got heated about a game like this post game and there were two stupid losses before this but i could not believe that call and you know who the shovel pass went to stanley morgan our honorary fullback i don't know if that was like a oh t would normally be in this spot but we need you stanley the whole thing just screamed of overthinking what's going on you have jamar chase tyler boyd joe mixon you have all these guys run Hayden a normal Hurst. play. Hayden Hurst had a heck of a game. Run a normal play. Run something that Burrow can check through progressions and then take off and try to get the two yards if he needs to. He's a big, strong, mobile quarterback. There is so much that you could do. And that play call just blew my mind with how bad it was. Yeah, and 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 I hate and I I said this actually right before we jumped on. I, I was talking to our producer Nick. I think the biggest thing when you lose is play calling. It's ah, oh, this guy was terrible. Zach Taylor can't call anything. Why is he still calling plays? I'm I'm gonna try and be level headed in this reaction because we are recording this minutes after the game. And and to be fair on everybody's side, when I think about that, you put your team in a bad situation tonight, and they shouldn't have been. I know T Higgins was sidelined and he reaggravated his ankle. I know that never was official and it never came out, but that was pretty much what the assumption was because the official ruling on him never really came out and, and him not being a part of this offense was telling out there. You can't have excuses because every team is dealing with them. Baltimore didn't have Rashad Bateman. You know, they go with their tight end. They deal with playmakers they have out there. That wasn't the excuse. My excuse is you can't, put your team in situations when you have these playmakers and not be able to be not only aggressive, but be cute when you don't need to be. You finally get your run Twice. game. You finally get your run game going and you can't even, you can't even make it simple. The Bengals biggest opponent in their three losses is the Cincinnati Bengals. That is who they're losing to. And it's it's from coaching. It's bad mistakes. It wasn't about Lamar Jackson. It wasn't about the Baltimore Ravens. It was about losing to yourself. And they did that tonight. I'm not even mad about not going for the field goal. I'm mad about stupid play calling right now. And I'm not even blaming Zach, like saying Zach Taylor's a stupid play call. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in general, don't make those play calls. Don't do it. Don't do it. Make it simple. Stop making it harder than it needs to be. At this point, I think some of the complaints about Zach Taylor's system are overstated. What I don't think is overstated at this point and has been proven time and time again this season is he is not a good short yardage guy. I mean, at this point, you've got two fourth and one tosses that went for negative yards. You've got a slew of third down type issues on third and short. You had that fiasco today. The only time, the only time I thought, oh yeah, there's two times I believe in short yardage that I thought, oh yeah, good call, uh, was last week the Hayden Hurst sneaking across the, the formation. And then the other one was today with the motioning. I think it was Hurst back there to push Burrow in on the QB sneak. Yeah. Other than that, I can't think of a short yardage play call special that was like, oh, good call. In fact, I've got as many. I've got more times I've I've been yelling at the TV like, no, 
than I have like, oh yeah, that's such a good design or good call or whatever. It's just, I don't know what it is about short yardage, but he has, he's got like three plays that have worked and that's kind of disgusting because you know, you're getting man coverage uh, with elite wide receivers. You know that in this game, I mean, how do you call so many times against the Dolphins to slam Mixon in the back of his offensive line? And then this game, you didn't even try it once. And they were getting push. They were getting a push on this line. We'll talk, probably talk about that later. But they, Mixon went for 5.8 a carry tonight. I mean, you don't give it to him once. And that's it. You'd rather call the Philly special that everybody knows than to give the ball to Mixon one time. On second down, I don't even blame Boyd for taking the sack. He's a he's a wide receiver. Like I know a quarterback should throw it away there. A wide receiver. No, it was open in the end zone though. Oh, a little, it was a tight throw. I'll be honest. Like, they I knew mean, it was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, a back shoulder Joe Burrow fade. <laughs> it was it was there, but it was a tough throw for a wide receiver to make and a quarterback to catch. Like if it was yeah. the other way around and Burrow went at the, the Boyd, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But if Boyd threw that to Burrow and it came down with that. I would have just been amazed that they made that play. But yeah, I know a quarterback supposed to should have thrown that away if he didn't like the look because you can't take a sack and knock yourself out of field goal range or make this way harder on yourself. But he's a wide receiver. <laughs> he's not going to know. It, it's just, it's a frustrating reaction because you hear the first four weeks who they've played, the backup quarterbacks they've played. Uh, you know, you get Cooper Rush, you get Joe Flacco, uh, you get Teddy Bridgewater, you get Mitch Trubisky, and you don't really know who this team is. And then you go with Sunday Night Football and you get behind and then you tied up 10 all. And you're like, mm, Cincinnati's not even playing that great, but they're coming back. They're making it a game. And hey, if you win, you get this game, you walk away and you're like, we'll watch the tape and we'll move right, all, right along and just uh, throw the rest away. We really don't want to remember that performance. But at the same time, it just was, it's one of those things where like, you should have walked away with a win. You really should have. You played not great to start the game, but you still came back. You still had moments where you should have scored a touchdown or, or even put up three. And they just, it just, it's one of those things where it's a frustrating loss because it wouldn't hurt so much if so far this season you didn't lose to the Steelers the way you lost. You didn't lose to the Cowboys. Not even the Cowboys because they're going off on, on this nice little run right now. But you look at week one, that's a divisional game. You look at week five, that's a divisional game. You drop to 0-2 in the division. And you look around the AFC, that's going to be a tight race. And I don't know where this offense is right now. And the thing about it is, I know a lot of people's reaction right now. I've looked at social media. It's probably a place you don't really want to be right now is Zach Taylor should give up the play calling. He shouldn't be calling the plays. Should be Brian Callahan, all of this stuff. Look, we, we don't really know behind the scenes how many calls are Brian Callahan, how many are Zach Taylor. Obviously, Zach Taylor has the final say. That's not going to happen. Like, Zach's not going to give up calling the plays. I, maybe I see it differently than what could, could happen in the future, but – you got to fix your offense right now. It's not great. And I wouldn't even put it all in the offensive line right now. I would say the offense was pretty good. Uh, offensive line, sorry. The offensive line was pretty good today, especially yeah. in the run game. Um, they're moving to more of a gap stuff. and But we'll, we'll, we'll get that later. I, I want to talk about it, but I more want to air frustrations to start. I'm also frustrated with the beginning, the script 
of the, the in the scripted play calling, it seemed very much um, like Twitter freaks out. Like you gotta get Jamar the ball. You gotta get the. Ball. And it was like every play was to Jamar. It was like screen to Jamar and then move him into the backfield and run a little swing pass to Jamar. And then there was one time I, I it was a, a crack toss to Mixon. Didn't work. Those the what, probably like a ten percent success rate for the Bengals. They don't really have the athletes. And Stanley trying to block. Uh, God bless him. I hope that that video goes away. But Stanley Morgan trying to block an edge didn't work out. You lose two yards. You're in second and twelve. It was like he just kept reading the script as if like, okay, and that should gain us about five. And then we're gonna run uh, this. I. I don't know, it was like a pin pool or sweep or something to Jamar in the backfield. Like they hand it off to Jamar Chase. And it's just the defense is giving you so much respect to Jamar Chase. And I understand it is very frustrating to be that good of a receiver and to not go off for 150 yards a game. But this was my worry with trying your hardest to get him involved because the offense was terrible in the first quarter while they were trying to do this. And you can't you can't cut like trying to get him the ball. There is just like, I don't know. So often it wasn't working. It was hurting the offense. It was like burning your own furniture to keep the house warm type thing of like, yeah, you're solving a problem of Jamar chase. wants the ball, you are not solving anything about this, these offensive issues because you're going for like two yards of play. I, that was very frustrating for me. It felt very much like reading Twitter criticisms and just going like, yeah, we should just get that ball to Jamar a bunch. But at the same time, I thought, obviously when T Higgins is not out there, this offense looks a little different because we saw how involved he was when Jamar was getting triple quadruple team in the last couple of weeks and what kind of receiver he is. And then he's on the sideline. And a lot of people are like, who's 80? Who's getting the ball 80? What, 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 what's he doing out there? And then you think, oh, well, well, what's going on with he? And then you have, you're forcing the ball to Jamar, which of course, yeah, he's one of your number one receivers. You want to do that, want to get him more involved. Then you see Hayden Hurst get involved. Then you see the run game starting to work. And it's just such a head scratcher because we still don't know what this Bengals offense looks like in 2022. It's still a huge question mark for me, and tonight didn't make me feel any better about it. No, I mean, made me feel worse. This is, I think, this was probably I could be fact checked. I think this is probably the Ravens' best defensive performance. And when you're the offense, that's never a good thing. <laughs> I think Miami scored over thirty, Bills over, scored over twenty. Like holding an opponent under twenty, and they played the Jets. And I want to say that the Jets might have scored that many. I'm googling it real quick, but no, Jets scored nine. Okay, fact check myself before I get yeah, that was done. a bad first game of the week. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to remember. I was like, oh man, I forgot they played the Jets. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just. The offense was just feeling – it felt so deflating, disappointing. They ran the under center play action. I think it was a dagger concept to chase. And Burrow, he just turned and fired it. And there were two linebackers underneath that could have picked that ball off on his one interception. But, again, that was a design play to chase. And it's just like these teams – this is what I'm, you're trying to force it to them, and defenses they get paid too. They they're trying their hardest to stop this guy, so it's going to be really difficult to work this. When Marcus Peters was making all those tackles, and he is not a guy that makes tackles usually, when he's making all those tackles, 
that kind of threw a wrench in what I thought my game plan would have been to start too. I understood the idea at first, which was just like, get the ball to chase underneath and shallow and let him try to break these tackles because these corners don't tackle that well. Well, they were tackling well. So you got to be able to adjust on the fly there. And it didn't feel like they adjusted until the second quarter at least. And then they finally started getting the offense rolling. And I thought the offense in general might've been fine. It was just, really bad in short yardage and early in the game. I'll just say I didn't have Patrick Queen getting the interception tonight. That was um that was a very um that was the, that thrill that that moment. Not ideal. Not ideal. But we'll we'll move on. We have more to talk about with it's always game day in Cincinnati next. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I feel like this is kind of like a post-game rant, but we're live and we're being recorded and we're being honest and things didn't really go well for the Cincinnati Bengals as they fall to two and three. They're third place in the AFC North, 0-2 in the division, one game out of first place in a very tight race early on in the season. They move on to week six on the road against the New Orleans Saints, but let's, uh, let's focus on the quarterback, Joe Burrow. Uh, I think you watch early on, you see how this game is going. Joe Burrow throws an interception. Joe Burrow has a great drive. You see moments of Joe sparks uh, of what we've seen in the past from Joe Burrow. And I don't know. I don't know what to think. You had these moments, this first reaction. Obviously, you're going to go back and watch the tape. What did you think of Joe tonight? My immediate reaction was he was fine. It wasn't a game that he was a flamethrower, but he also, for the most part, wasn't a detriment to the offense. He was able to make some good throws. He missed a couple times. The one egregious play is the one we talked about. That play-action interception was just, honestly, a mind-boggling decision because the the entire second level just bailed out to 15-plus yards like right after they noticed his play-action. And nobody even ran with Mixon to the flat. And Burrow just still launched it right at two linebackers. It was, I don't think he's overly comfortable. I don't think he's performed under center play action all that much, even though it's much better than gun play action to sell to the defense. At this point, if your quarterback's that bad at it, maybe it's just, ah, man. I, I think I went through this last year where I was like, oh, the design should be better. The design should be better. And then, um, yeah, the quarterback just makes some really bad 
decisions and throws off of it and you think like maybe he should just do gun only <laughs> type stuff but overall i thought it was fine i definitely don't think he's the reason that they lost this game the 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 interception came at a poor time because it felt like such a big momentum shift to get the ball in that situation and then to immediately throw it right back to him it, it went from the ravens missing a golden opportunity i believe that was right on that lamar terrible miss on fourth down to a wide open Tylen Wallace. And then they threw it right back and gave him the ball. So overall, I thought it was fine. I, I don't know. What did you think? It, I, there, there were moments in that final drive, obviously, uh, when they're going down for, for a touchdown. I'm like, oh, that's Joe. That's Joe and Jamar, nine to one. What, what we saw in 2021. I think Joe is going to be fine. Everything's fine with Joe. This is not like you said. This this loss wasn't on Joe Burrow. That was one just poor decision. I feel like on his part on the interception. Of course, he'd like that ball back. Every quarterback would like their interception back. But at the same time, I have to wonder what Joe is thinking on some of the not not his decision making, but what he's thinking with the play calling too. Because at some point, does Joe change it up? Does Joe make his own decisions when he's out there and Joe say, mm, that's not going to work. We, we don't need to do that. You know, will we hear more of that this week? Because, yeah, it's only five weeks of football, but, you know, it gets late early in the NFL when you fall to two and three and you are in the AFC and it's very strong and it's going to be a tight race. I, I, I guess my thinking is what is Joe Burrow thinking about what's going on with the offense and, and how it feels like it's been kind of a setback this year. I mean, I think Taylor already said the team was comfortable with that fourth and gold shovel pass, but I have to imagine if I was the quarterback or anybody in that situation, if I'm Joe Burrow and what two out of the four plays, I didn't even have a shot at doing anything. It was a gimmick Philly special that didn't work. And, I don't remember the last time that play has worked, to be honest. I, the the mix and throw wasn't a Philly special. It was a completely different play. The Philly special itself is like that whole reverse situation that's long and developing and then a throw either to the quarterback or the route over route coming from behind. Wasn't there. I don't remember the last time that's worked other than in the Super Bowl. Um, I have to be upset. If I'm Joe Burrow and I think I'm a good quarterback and I think we have dudes at receiver and I think I could get us that that touchdown i have to be upset i yeah and then the shovel pass i understand <laughs> i'd have to be upset again i just like why are you taking the ball out of my hands and they went through this in a tight loss last year the 49ers where they took the ball out of his hands they just i think taylor has to stop doing that and if you are going to take the ball out of his hands at least get it to the run game that's cooking like they were getting a lot of push up front mixon was running hard right mixon looked prime mixing today to me he did like making guys miss he, he looked explosive and p ryan was also running strong like you had plenty of strong runs to make it think like okay the run game could work here in this goal line situation but oh man i i would be upset if i was a quarterback in that situation just because i know that this passing offense and i can probably pick up this touchdown if you would just give me the chance so Joe did talk, obviously, after the game. That's what the quarterback does. I mean, you're from that coach. And and one of the things he said was there was just nothing down the field if teams are going to play us like they did today. 
they had one pass attempt for 20 plus air yards, according to NFL next gen. And that's, I don't, I don't know if that's just a, a quick reaction after the game from Joe to say like, look, we, we couldn't get anything down the field. There was nothing open. Um, obviously when you don't have T Higgins out there and you, you, you still have playmakers, you still have Jamar Chase, you still have Hayden Hurst, you still have Joe Mixon. You can still get something going. Heck, they threw it to Mike Thomas a couple of times and it worked. Uh, Small J P Ryan too in the air. And it just, that's a little scary because it's the Baltimore defense. No offense to Baltimore. Obviously they're in first, first place for a reason. They do have the talent offensively, but defensively they've given up a lot of games in the second half. So that's, not ideal to hear that, hey, there's just nothing down the, there was nothing open if, if teams are going to play us like that. Uh, I mean, it's very respectful to the passing offense to just allow the run game to go for six yards of carry by backing all your guys to like 20 yards on the snap. But you have to just make them pay with that and work your way down the field, which they did. Like, we're not discussing this offense as terrible overall. No. It's just that they disappointed in the goal line situation there because they win that game if they just score the touchdown, but they just, uh, they just really let let everybody down on that goal line situation. And then they made up for it with the next one, but just, uh, I didn't hate the offense for the most part from the second through the fourth quarter. I did in the first quarter. I think everybody should, but the second through the fourth quarter didn't hate the offense. I thought they took their shot when they could, but they just didn't have many opportunities. So they just checked it down a lot and they ran a lot of screens and they ran a lot of run game. And to me, that was all fine because it was working. It was the shot play didn't work. It's whatever. I remember two, and I'm wondering if it's two in my mind, but one of them got called back for that DPI holding thing. So I'm wondering like maybe that doesn't count as a pass attempt over 20 yards because it's the no play situation. And then there's another one. It was surprising that Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow weren't on the same page. I think this might have been the first quarter. Yeah. They got a uh, one-on-one situation, and Jamar thinks, I'm just going to beat him, and he just keeps sprinting head down trying to get past the corner. But Joe threw it to the back shoulder thinking, okay, we got, uh, I've got it. You've got good leverage here for the back shoulder throw. And the fall just falls incomplete, but that was one of the very few times I've ever seen them on that situation not have a mind meld. And they made up for it later with a beautiful back shoulder catch from Chase. But yeah, I I didn't hate the offense. I I just it was fine for the most part. It wasn't great, but it was fine. And I have no issues if the defense is giving you the run game and it's giving you these checkdowns underneath. I don't personally have issues taking them. I just think. Everybody is kind of and understandably a little bit impatient with trying to only win with 15 plays, 70, 80 yard drives, because it is hard to do. But that's how you take advantage of these defenses when they're backing way off and trying to make you do that. And Zach Taylor said after the game, we were talking about the weapons and T Higgins that he want, uh, T wanted to give it a go after halftime, but just really wasn't feeling it. And that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, a lot of people thought the extra couple of days in the mini buy uh, would help T Higgins because he played in Miami with that ankle or against Miami with, with his ankle kind of 
irritate him a little bit. So that's just something that we'll want to watch out for on the injury report. Obviously, he was questionable all week, and he did give it a go early in the game, but uh, they decided against putting him back out there. So something to keep an eye on in the wide receiver room. But, no, I agree with you. I I think at the end of the day, it's it's frustrating because if you would have told me in this game, run game's going to get going. They're gonna re- Joe's gonna really kind of have a coming out party for himself. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna see Joe Mixon get it going. Offense line's gonna be fine. Um, I, I think I would love to know what Zach Taylor was telling Lyle Collins uh, when they did the whole trying to be too cute on the goal line and it didn't work out for him because Zach ran after Lyle at that time and they had a conversation and they talked a little about it. Maybe he should have been somewhere else and maybe that was a little miscommunication on his part too. Um, but it's just it's. It's it's frustrating when that that's the amount of points that you put up after half of football at the end of the game, and they're better than they're playing. They're just better than they're playing, and you can be without T Higgins, you can be without Jamar Chase because there were games last year in 2021 where T Higgins had to set out a couple games, and then T came back, and you know another player is more involved, and it just it's just such a head scratcher. I really I I, I can't point it out right now. Yeah, but. Uh... It, they're, they're better than that. If you think that they scored that touchdown instead of whatever happened in that situation, they win the game. They score like 24 points. We don't it's even not, talk about it anymore. Yeah, it's not an issue. It's like, a, ah, they should be able to put up 30, but 24 is fine. AFC North, divisional game. These games are always hitting the under. So I stupidly predicted 30 points. But, yeah, I was I was watching. I was like, yeah, these AFC North primetime games, they never hit the over. <laughs> I don't but, like uh, Sunday Night Football. Can we just talk about how Sunday Night Football is the worst? When you're watching football all day, it is absolutely miserable to know that, you know what, your team doesn't kick off until 8.20, 8.25, You got to watch all these games all day, 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Oh, no pressure. Just get to watch football all day. No, it doesn't work like that because all you're doing is thinking about Sunday Night Football. And you knew every, when that game started, I'm sure you tell me if this happened to you. Cause it happened to me. You had like some old memories kind of pop up in your head. Like, Oh, this is a, the familiar feeling. I remember these games. I remember how prime time feels. Oh, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to get really bad. And then it just, I don't know if close games are harder to lose or blowouts. I really don't know anymore. Uh, uh, I'd rather lose a close game because at least they play well. Um, I had the thought that they were going to get blown out um, when it was 10 nothing. The offense looked like a disaster, and the Ravens were driving with the ball at about the 50. That Von Bell interception couldn't have come at a better point because that really did start to look like, oh, boy, if they go down three scores and they have, like, three first downs so far, it's not a blowout, like, for sure, but it, it does – it's a little bit of the PTSD of following this team when they were abysmal in prime time of like, Oh no, not again. And a little bit of like, I, it really felt like the Ravens offense right then was almost unstoppable. It, which was kind of frustrating because it's like, Hey, you guys have done this before. And while I think readers presence is definitely felt, or, or his him missing was definitely felt. They also couldn't really stop all those like jet sweeps and other things that are attacking the edge of the defense. They eventually were able to start containing some of that stuff. But really, I think the Ravens, they score like 24, 25, 26, 27, somewhere around there. 
if Lamar can just hit one of those passes deep down the field. Oh my. How did he miss them twice? That's a that's why I was like the the defense was good, but yeah, missed opportunities, and we're talking about a bad defensive performance for the first time in a while. See, that's what like it, this would be so much easier to say if Cincinnati would have won because it wouldn't sound like sore loser or anything like that. But I wasn't super impressed with Lamar Jackson today. The way he's been playing at an MVP level, I was just like, okay, you missed two wide receivers open where you could have just pretty much closed the game. And they those were going to be touchdowns all the way. They were nothing but green grass in the end zone. And he missed both of them. Um, I, and look, there could have been miscommunication that I didn't see, but I wasn't. But it sounds like a sore loser because I'm like, oh, you lose to Baltimore. You're like, oh, Lamar wasn't that. I, I wasn't impressed. I feel like it, I feel like the, the Bengals lost to themselves and they made bad decisions. Uh, respect to Lamar in the run game, and he eventually did start passing the ball really well. That pass to Mark Andrews on the left sideline with the amount of touch it had was absolutely perfect. But, yeah, oh, man, the Tylen Wallace miss where Lamar said, I'm going for it, basically, to John Harbaugh when he was trying to send out the kicker. He was, yeah. And he might have not had a guy within 15 yards of him. Like, he didn't need – all you had to do was put it anywhere near him, and he threw it way too far. I don't know. I. I think Lamar is a great quarterback. I don't he think is. he had the best day. I think this is not a MVP statement type game, even if he won on prime time. He escaped some sacks. He did a good job. He did a great job running. And then when they needed him to, he was really able to do a good job passing the ball. It was almost three straight misses deep, by the way, because uh, I remember that over route that he way overthrew to right to Von Bell. That came... I think like around that same time period, like he threw the interception. Yeah. Because then the Bengals go score and then he throws that fourth down away. And I believe that was also in the first half. I could be wrong though. I, this is all a little bit of a blur. I just remember thinking like, Ooh, really Lamar is off. And then second half, he's doing pretty well, even though they weren't scoring. I'm still annoyed by that game. I'm still really annoyed. We should I, we should have a role where we can't record like 30 minutes right after a game because there's so many things that you're thinking about. You're like, ah, you should have had that. But uh, we'll move on to the last segment, and we're going to end on a positive note because we are here for you, and we want to uh, bring some optimism going into your Monday morning because everyone's going to be extremely tired, but we'll have this and drink your coffee and enjoy our podcast. We'll be, back. we'll be back on Tuesday and Thursday with another one. We'll be back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It is officially Monday morning, uh, 12.06 a.m. as we are recording this. Bengals fall to the Ravens and I just a disappointing loss, 19 to 17. They fall to two and three, one game behind the Baltimore Ravens in the division. Third in the AFC North overall, drop two in the AFC North. Not ideal for this team when you look at the three losses. Obviously, everybody remembers week one. Everybody knows what happened in week two in this game. You're not getting blown out in any of these losses. You're just shooting yourself in the foot, and that's what happened with this team. We've talked about the offense. We've talked about Joe Burrow. I know you're going to go and watch all the tape this week, and we'll get more in-depth on Joe Burrow's performance, the offensive line. But let's focus on the defense. 
Um, It's one of those units where there was a lot of comparison. I talk about this. I talked about this earlier. They, you hear throughout the weeks, oh, look who the defense faced. Are they really that legit? Are they good? Are they top five? Um, You know, you can point to the the last run of Lamar Jackson in this offense being able to get in Justin Tucker's range. And that wasn't ideal, but they were on the field a lot in this game tonight. And I think there were a lot of moments to show you that this defense can keep them in a lot of games. I know Joe Burrow can. You always have a shot when number nine is on the field. Um, But there are times when it feels like, man, it would be really nice if the offense could help this unit out on the defensive side because of all the things that they're able to do. We mentioned the Von Bell interception. Uh, It's wild. Him in the last two games, that's number three in two games. And he just switched the momentum when he got his interception and really kind of changed things. And they got to Lamar Jackson again, you know, trust and Lou, what they're able to do. They don't want to give up the second half touchdown. Uh, you, you take field goals every day and you'll definitely get those with Justin Tucker. But if you were to look at, Hey, you fall to two and three, that sucks. What are some of your takeaways on the more optimistic side right now? Cause we can be optimistic after five weeks of football. It could get really dark but we can stay a little optimistic right now. Yeah. Um, so there is some optimism with the defense, although I think the performance was a little bit less good than it seemed. Um, just Lamar missing throws that he should hit and normally does hit. Uh, but there is some good with it. Uh, they did a good job overall, especially in that second half. They still haven't allowed a second half touchdown. I believe I saw, no. which that's insane. <laughs> but um they started to be able to stop the run better. They tackled pretty well. I thought they had a decent plan for Lamar. It seemed like they came with a lot of nickel pressure and that worked in, I think it was 2020. That worked pretty well in the first game when they actually played the Ravens close, although Burrow took a bunch of sacks and there was, I think that might've been the game that they were almost shut out and then they kick a field goal and Wink gets all upset about it, but then they lost like, 14 to three or something like that. The defense played well in that game and they brought a lot of nickel pressure. And I think they did that again this game because I kept seeing Mike Hilton trigger. But uh, I want to say, oh, shout out Jermaine Pratt, uh, my guy with that. When he was the spy, I think they did a two spy system on that where one was on the left, one was on the right. So they didn't have to try to actually follow him around completely. But to be able to trigger and come down and make a tackle on Lamar Jackson in the open field as a linebacker, Pretty crazy. Well-earned sack. I thought there were a few instances where Trey Hendrickson got really close to coming away with a sack. There was one instance where he almost came with the strip sack. I was right behind him, hands coming down, but the ball got out. And it was just, ah, so close. Um, overall, just I thought I was frustrated by some of the run defense and a little bit of the breakdowns in coverage. I really hated the one. All they ran was like mesh. Maybe it might have been mesh with another guy behind. I don't know what you call that. but And Trey Flowers thinks he's passing his guy off. And I don't know whether he thought he was passing, whether he was supposed to or not. You never know with these things. I feel like with that structure, it made sense that he could have when I watched the dots. And then Von Bell would be the guy I think that should have picked him up. But... Overall, I was just like the one guy, the one guy you can't. Yeah, it was almost embarrassing that they have one good receiver right now. And DuVernay is what he is. I thought he's fast to work down the field and he does a lot 
to run through contact and after the catch type stuff, but he's not a guy that I'm really worried about him burning somebody on a short route. One guy it was just one guy. And you know, Lamar's going to look at him to leave him like 10 yards open because of a miscommunication is so frustrating. I don't think the Ravens ran anything crazy is the other part that makes me frustrated. They ran like a little mesh play, which is just um, two guys run in at each other from opposite sides underneath and how defenses usually respond is either just trying to man that up and run with them. A zone is what works best, but they weren't in a zone coverage. And then the other way is what Trey Flowers looked like he might have tried to do, which is man until I get to about halfway, then I'm going to pass him off and drop into a zone and somebody else is going to go pick him up from that zone with good leverage. The whole point is that Von Bell's coming from the left side and uh, Flower and the route's coming from right to left. So he's running right into Von Bell there if he picks him up. But Von Bell clearly didn't think that's what was happening. So that's just frustrating that I think it's what their only touchdown they gave up was just a stupid miscommunication with where you leave their best player wide open. And that's, I know nobody wants to hear this after a loss, you know, especially one like that where you could have had the game and didn't even play that great. Um, But I still feel like this defense is legit and it's going to keep you in a lot of games. It's not ideal to be on the other side in the division, dropping two games, uh, two, you could even say at least one you should have had. Uh, if you want to count week one, that looks worse and worse uh, every week. But unfortunately, a lot of these teams didn't have to face TJ Watt. We've said that plenty of times. So I think that changes the Steelers as a whole. Um, but just the AFC North picture, Cleveland lost today. They dropped the two and three. Steelers, I think they're they're going to be out of the picture. I'm I'm just uh, just going to say that right now. I don't really think that they're considered. And look, this could all come back and bite me. But uh, I, I would just say you have these three teams. We saw what Baltimore is tonight, and you look ahead to a favorable schedule. Nothing's guaranteed. Obviously, we, we we've seen the first five weeks of football, but you get the Saints. Not going to be easy on the road. Homecoming for Louisiana, for Joe and Jamar. You come back home, you get the Atlanta Falcons. You get Monday Night Football with the Cleveland Browns. And they've had Cincinnati's number for for a while now. And that was the Baker Mayfield days when he'd play out of his mind. Just kind of the outlook overall, looking ahead with this team in the AFC North picture. How do you feel about them? Um. I mean, I feel pretty good, at least about the next two weeks. I I think the Saints are a tough out, and they have a tough defense. And it might be another game that's annoying for Bengals fans. Everything is just like they've got a really good defensive line. They've got some corners and um, Tyron Matthews there. They've got a few safeties. And Demario Davis is one of my favorite non-Bengal players. He's just a maniac at linebacker. Oh, man, I love that guy. He, guards running at him. Usually, like, if a guard catches a linebacker, like, the linebacker's in trouble, he just knocks him over <laughs> and just keeps running. It's awesome. But um, I think they're a tough out, but I think the Bengals should win. Fairly confident that they do. And then the Falcons. I don't, want, I don't have any confidence right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the Falcons at home is one you should really be confident in. But also, they just played the Bucks closer than you'd like, although I thought the score was for – the score was closer than I think the game. They were up 21 nothing. I don't believe in the Bucs. That's my hot take. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and I don't believe in the Bucs right now. Well, at least my Eagles look pretty good. 
Dude, the kick, the kick goes uh, wide, left, right. Didn't happen. They, they don't, they don't tie the game up. Kyler Murray. It's crazy because you think of Kyler Murray and you think of Russell Wilson and you think of all the money that they made in the off season and where they are right now to start the season. Um, but I mean, look, I've always kind of looked at the glass half full and that's not awesome for a lot of Bengals fans right now. Cause I know they're really down. Um, I just glanced at social media while we were recording and I'm getting notifications on my phone right now. And there are really a lot of unhappy people and I get it. I get you're frustrated. Obviously uh, expectations are super high after a, I would say surprise Super Bowl run. Not that I, I would, I knew they had the talent. We saw it in 2021 in training camp, that this defense was legit. You have Joe Burrow, you have the weapons. Look, they could put it together and be pretty good. And Evan McPherson was a weapon last year and helped him win a lot of games. But the expectations are going to be high from your fan base because that just happened and you proved, hey, we can do this. We have all these years in front of us, a young roster. We haven't even, you know, extended our quarterback yet. And we have youth and talent and our defense is young and free agency and everything that we've built that this team can compete again and they can be a top of the AFC. I don't think you should look at these five weeks of football and say mm, they're out. Bad football team. They're not good at all. They have a legit defense. I still believe in their special teams with with Evan McPherson. And this offense is going to get it figured out. I would feel a little more optimistic. I know you're going to watch more of the offensive line tape, and we'll we'll break that down on Tuesday's podcast. But, you know, it's starting to come together. It's starting to gel a little bit. Looks like Jonah Williams, you know, might be okay. Did come back in the game, so that's good news. And, Joe, you're always going to have a shot with nine on the field. Like 100%, you can look at the NFL as a whole and you can look at the Giants and some of the teams that are four and one to start the season and say, mm, their quarterback's okay, does enough, but the talent around them, you know, has helped them. I still feel like the Bengals offense is going to get it together and we're going to see more of those 2021 highlights in, in a full game. Um, and maybe I'm just on a tangent and it's 12, 17 and I'm extremely tired and I'm trying to be optimistic, but <laughs> I think they're going to be okay. I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're, it's, it's fair to feel frustrated right now because the three losses are games that they were in and they could have had, I'd say the Cowboys one is the only one maybe they shouldn't have just cause they got off to a bad start and they did came back, they did come back and make it a game, but they lost the game. Um, week one and week five are ones that you're going to point at and look back and say, what could have been. Yeah. And, and for me personally, I just want to see more out of this offense and we're just not seeing it right now. Uh, I think the old school, but I do think that the run game getting to like this five, six yards of carry is going to open things up because defensive coordinators don't their least favorite thing is runs going for six, seven, eight yards a pop. So I think that is kind of what opens it up a little bit. And this makes an average is over six yards of carry if they just don't run that toss play. And then you're, I mean, you're talking about like a dominant game from him. Really want to talk about it. We'll get more into it. It looked to me like when he was at his best and when the run game was rolling, it was a lot of gap, which the Bengals have been a zone team for a while, which is, you know, getting on a track and running and moving those guys horizontally the gap stuff is more vertical and pushing forward and more design like you're going to pro you're going to hit here type stuff so they ran one of my favorite plays i think it's hard to tell on broadcast and everything but they only one viewing but call it an insert iso play just old school football that iso where you get the fullback right up to the linebacker and you run right behind them this time you do it with a tight end that 
comes around and he took, I believe it was Patrick Queen, moved him. Mixon goes right behind like eight yards. And they a lot of the time they got to the duo play and all these other counter plays that just they work really well when they were in the shotgun and able to do that. And I think that that is just like kind of kill the under center offense. If you can run effectively from the gun, who knows if it stays that way, but it, the reason gun game doesn't always work that well is because teams really key off on, well, you're, you've got the running back on your left. Almost every team always has a play that's basically running back to the right. Uh, Bill Belichick talked about that being a huge thing of like, well, we know when teams are in the gun, they can really only run these concepts to the right and these ones to the left. When they're under center, they can run either way. If the Bengals have enough runs that they can get back to the same side, so if the running back's on the left, they can have all these plays that get to the left side, counter, iso, duo, all these gap plays, and then still carry their inside zone type stuff to get to the right side and long trap and some other things that they do then you have a really effective shotgun run game. You don't need to get under center where Joe Burrow is clearly uncomfortable when he does his play fakes and doesn't like turning his back to the defense. And maybe that's the key to really opening up the offense is to just be full-on spread type offense in the gun all the time, have a good run game from there because that, I think, is like the start of, well, now teams, they're going to have to maybe roll that safety down or something just so that they could stop Joe Mixon in this run game from going for seven yards of carry and just bleeding them dry. I don't know. That's my thought on the, the quick thoughts on that. I, I really want to talk about though. Cause I was like, Oh, they've really gotten away from being a wide zone team, which they should have because this offensive line just was a disaster with it. And um, I think that meeting between Mixon and the offensive line was very productive. See, we're an optimistic podcast. We're going to end on a great note. Um, but if they keep losing, we're not going to always end on a good note. <laughs> um, we are going to be optimistic when we can find it. Uh, but there are plenty of things to break down this week. It's a huge game on the road against the Saints. But we'll go back and watch the tape. Um, I say we, uh, Bengals underscore Sands, Mike will. And uh, we'll break it all down and, and get more in-depth on this offensive line, Joe Burrow, the run game. Jamar Chase, you know, what it looked like offensively and defensively for this team later in the week. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We'll have more episodes coming out later this week. Make sure you follow along, Bengals underscore Sands and at LNDS Patterson on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Another recap as the Bengals fall to the Ravens 19 to 17 after week five.